What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David Isaac and Chris. The Grizzlies win again, 135 to 102. Improved to 48 and 22 on the season. And they still, you know what? I'm not even going to start with that. I'm going to get into that later. I'm going to be positive from the beginning that we talk about. You hear the team talk about playing a full 48 minutes and had a lot of garbage time tonight. But this was a game where they locked in second quarter. They busted this game wide open. I was concerned with what they were going to do coming out in the second half. And they stayed, they came out, they were playing, and they didn't let up. This was a good game overall from the Grizzlies without Ja Morant. Well, man, first off, before I say anything else, I, I got to give myself a pat on the bat. I did say he was going to score 30. Uh, he, I told you I will take the under. <laughs> I told you yeah, to he, take he, the he under. He did not score 30, but I think that was, you look at the minute distribution, which is great tonight. Like, nobody played. I think Anthony Melton was number one on the team with 28 minutes, so everybody played over under 30 minutes, and I think that's fantastic with two days off before you play in Atlanta on Friday. But I pat myself on the back when I said Bain would have a big game going back home, um, and, and he did, man. Came out firing, uh, had a really big game. He only played, what, 23, 23 minutes. Um, he knocked out four of seven from three, uh, 21 points, four rebounds, six assists, two steal, a block, seven of 12 from the field, man. Just getting it done, plus 29, man. He was him, – him and Jared really played well tonight. Um, and stepped up uh, with, with John Morant being out tonight. And with the John Morant thing, he was out with back soreness. He came out and, and did his normal workout routine uh, from from what I was told. So I think this was more of a kind of everybody has bumps and bruises this time of year. And if they decide they want to rest somebody, they'll kind of point to something that's any kind of ailment that you have going on. And Taylor Jenkins said before the game that this kind of dates all the way back to that Patrick Beverly type thing and, and when he kind of rolled up on John's back. Um, in, in the Minnesota game, which has been a long time ago. So I don't yeah. think this is anything that specifically flared up tonight. I think they just want to kind of give him a night off, and they feel like this road trip is probably the easiest stretch of games we have left, looking at what they have after this road trip. They want to give him a night off, and they just said, oh, well, you, you know, you've been dealing with all the backstory in this man. We'll, we'll sit you tonight. I think think he'll be fine. I think he'll be ready to go on Friday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm i just excited about seeing a dominant win from the Grizzlies. Uh, I, I came across this stat just to prove how dominant of a of a, of a a game this was for the Grizzlies. Uh, Sean Coleman, shout out to him, but put this stat up. But Grizzlies had 135 points, 38 assists, 50 rebounds, 18 offensive rebounds, 12 steals, 10 blocks, 15 threes, and 72 points in the paint. And that just goes to show you how dominant of a game, if that's Sean Coleman is looking to see if there were any more dominant games in NBA history. That might be one of the most statistically dominant games ever played. So it was a great game to see for sure. Yeah, you had two guys that played high school ball in Indiana. So they, they were up for this game. Both of them showed out. You know, the, the thing, one thing that I loved about this game, uh, a concern, we kind of talked about this on last night or the, the last show that we were together. People were worried about shots and Dylan Brooks taking too many shots he took 12 tonight and that that's, you know, yeah, Jaron took 16, Bain took 12. De'Anthony Melton played the most minutes. He had 14 shot attempts. Tyus Jones had 11. So the shot attempts were spread out, but look at that assist number back-to-back games from Dylan Brooks, four yeah, assists, four assists. The, the whole, the narrative, this is people hold on to stuff. I think the tunnel vision, the hero ball, version of Dylan Brooks that people like to complain about is from two years ago 
and they're so stuck on that that they don't watch the either one of two things either they don't watch the games enough when he's playing to know that that has gone away or they don't care enough to know that that has gone away Shout out to Justin he, Lewis from GBB but go, go ahead sorry <laughs> put him on blast I love it I love it man <laughs> But, but that is, you know, are, are we still going to have those times where he takes a shot and you're like, oh, what are you doing? That will probably still happen. I will, I will never say that that will not happen because if Dylan sees a shot that he likes, he's going to yeah. take it, and that's fine. You want him to do that. I wasn't going to lead with this. I've got to talk about it, though. The freaking free throws, man. It, it's man. Th- This is very, very scary. I, I'm – not going to beat on it tonight. I'll talk about it shortly here, but 12 from 20, 12 for 20 from the free throw line, 60%. When, when you get into a, a, a playoff series against a high caliber team, missing eight free throws is going to lose you the game. Chris Bouchard on Fox Sports talked about the, the Grizzlies would not even be a matchup against the Warriors. Bunch of trash talking from media members that have no idea that I, I would bet you every penny that I make for the rest of my life that he has not watched a full game for this Grizzlies team no. all year long. No. And he, he's out here saying stuff like this. I 100% disagree with him, but things like this, these free throws will cause you to lose games against teams like the Warriors. Yeah, I was going to say, to go to the to talk about the Chris Broussard thing, I mean, a lot of stuff to unpack with that. First of all, I mean, he was even implying that the Grizzlies had the two seed because he said they couldn't win a game seven in Memphis. Uh, so I guess he was implying that the Grizzlies ended up with the two seed. And then he said that the Grizzlies wouldn't be a match because they only have one star in John Moran. And I kind of looked at that. And, I, and you look at that Golden State Warriors roster, we all know how great Steph is. But this season, I don't know. You don't really – I wouldn't really say Clay Thompson is crazily better than – I mean, you have Desmond Bain and – if Dylan Brooks is playing really well, I wouldn't necessarily say he's a star, like, much better than them. And then you have Draymond Green, who's coming back from injury. I mean, you look at the supporting cast. I like the Grizzlies players. I mean, think just as good as probably people would like the Golden State players. So I don't really agree with that assessment either. Like, and I'm not saying that the Grizzlies would beat Golden State in a seven-game series. I don't know. But I definitely wouldn't be scared to go in this series. And, and to say the team that's, that's now above you, I would say tied. I was saying tied earlier, but that was before this game with the second-best record in the NBA, uh, with, with home court advantage, would have no shot at, at, at to even competing with them. I think it's just ludicrous. Like, these national guys, like, there's no way. Like, as David said, they have – there's no way Chris Bassard has watched the Grizzlies game this year. Like, and that's most national media. The only guy that's probably in the national media that's watched the Grizzlies game is probably Perk. He's probably the only person that's watched the Grizzlies game. Most of these guys, they just look at all the same old Grizzlies. I mean, they're overachieving. They're young. They're going to get into playoffs and fall apart. I don't think that's the case this year. And, and again, that's not being overconfident and saying that they would for sure beat Golden State in the series, but I think they would definitely compete. I mean, if you watch Grizzlies Golden State games, even last year and the year before that, they've always really competed with that team. I don't think it's a great matchup. And I put it out on Twitter earlier, if you gave the Warriors truth serum to themselves, I don't even think they would say, oh, they, they wouldn't be in a competition. So Christmas off, man, need to get out of here with that, man. I, I It just kills me with these guys. Keep coming out of here with these terrible takes on the Grizzlies, man. I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I actually wanted to piggyback off. Just just pay attention to the matchup. And I think one of the number one things that people forget, and when it comes to that matchup, 
I think one with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Steven Adams, but even just when it was Jaron Jackson Jr., I think we've had a size size advantage on them for one. And, and two, you know, one of the biggest, one of their biggest weaknesses, whether it's Draymond on the court, whether it's Clay on the court, is they they turn the ball over. They turn the ball over yeah, a lot. Right. And that's yep. how you get this Grizzlies team fueled. So it doesn't really matter. It, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but in terms of even in the playing field, I know you've got Clay, you've got Draymond, you got Steph. But just because our, our players are young and don't yet have the quote-unquote all-stars to back them up, they just don't have the years behind them that those guys have, does not mean that the talent level is that different. Um, and especially if you're going to turn the ball over, that's easy fuel for the Memphis Grizzlies on, on, in, on any day. It's funny you mentioned that because Desmond Bain talked about it in the presser tonight. He said that's when we are at our best. When we can force turnovers and get out and run, that's when we're clicking. That's exactly what happened in tonight's game against the Pacers. The Grizzlies were able to force those turnovers. They were able to get stops on the defensive end and get out and run and, and put this game away. And against a team that turns the ball over a lot, that that's going to be – I think that's why that, that matchup is so tough. Yeah. And also the thing that I like about that matchup is the, you know, the size, which you pointed out, Candace, they don't have anybody on that team that can out physical Steven Adams mm-hmm. and the, the best defensive lineup for this Grizzlies team has been when Jaron and Brandon are both on the floor at the same time. There's no reason those two cannot be on the floor at the same time because there's nobody on that team that's going to dominate them in the post. Uh, Draymond Green is going to be their probably their most dominant post player, and he's not a, a back-to-the-basket. Draymond Green is not a 20-points-a-game guy. He is more of, you know, he's going to do it on the defensive end. He's going to distribute the ball. He's going to get in the right places and pass the ball to people when they get into the right places. And all of those things, like that matchup for the Grizzlies is, is great. I, again, I'm not. I'm on the same page as Isaac. I'm not. I'm not naive enough to sit here and say, "Oh, well, the Grizzlies are going to go in and steamroll the Warriors," yeah. because I don't think that's the case. But if you're sitting here saying that it's not a matchup, it's it's just ignorant. There's no, there there's nothing in your story. There's nothing to back up your side of the story that it wouldn't be a matchup. Because over these last few years, since John Moran has got here, the Grizzlies have played this Warriors team tough. Granted, the Grizzlies are, I'm, I'm sorry, the Warriors have not been healthy, but they've still played them tough. And now what we're going to see, I, I think that we will, I hope that we see that matchup in a playoff series. If we do, it's likely going to be in the second round. I want to see that matchup, win or lose, whatever happens. I think it's going to be a good series and it's going to be a great measuring stick for this young Grizzlies team moving forward. And, and another thing, you talk about the turnovers with, with Golden State, and not only is it the turnovers, Golden State's a team that likes to get up and down as well. So yep. that's what the Grizzlies want. Like, you talk about the matchup with a team like Dallas that tries to, to slow the game down. That's not what you want for the Grizzlies. That's why I think they match up really well with Golden State, because not only does Golden State turn the ball over, they also play at a breakneck pace, and that's what the Grizzlies want to do. The Grizzlies want to get up and down, push the basketball, and, and it's a rat race, and that's kind of, the same way with, with Golden State. And if you can play enough defense to kind of limit Golden State threes, then you got a game with them. That's that. And I think that's the reason why the Grizzlies play so well, because if you get them in a game where they're not knocking down threes, but they're turning the ball over, getting up and down, that plays right into the Grizzlies' hands. So if they play against each other again, I'm not saying that it, it, it's going to be the Grizzlies going to win that series or anything, but I would bet my ball dog it's going at least six games. Like it's not going to be 
a sweep by Golden State or Grizz going to go down in five. It's going to be a highly competitive series. I don't have any doubt about that. You know, I wonder if, and it may not change it at all, change the narrative at all, but I wonder on March 28th, the Grizzlies and uh, the Golden State Warriors will match up at, at home. At, for It'll be a home game for the Grizzlies. And I'm just curious as to how that'll work. It'll be the, it'll, you, you expect that Draymond, you know, with him being back, Clay and Steph will be on the court. I, I'm, I think that'll be our first sort of litmus test to see, you know, how this team stacks up against the Warriors. And, and win or loss, I, I didn't change my mind one way or the other, but I just wonder if the Grizzlies were to win that game with that sort of shift the narrative going into so soon in the playoffs. No, it, it's not. I I hope that it does, but yeah, I don't, they, they I don't still, believe that it will no. at all. I think that because of the size of the market, it's always going to be a thing that this team, if they go into the playoffs this year and they go on a deep playoff run, let's say Western Conference Finals, or they lose, let's say they lose in the second round to the Warriors in a seven-game series. Next year, the Grizzlies are going to come out. They're going to be good again. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be toward the upper end of the West. And we're still going to have this same narrative about, oh, well, this is a, a young team, and I don't know how they're going to match up. I just don't buy that the mainstream media is going to stay on board. You got a little bit of recognition from Stephen A. Smith. And the very next day, he's on ESPN talking about, oh, well, you know, the Lakers get healthy. The Grizzlies yeah. don't want that matchup. Get out of my face, No, man, I want bro. all that That's smoke. Crack. I want yeah. all that smoke, man. Yeah, like, it it's no they, smoke. It's just the light mist at this point. Yeah. They don't know how to bring I, in the I smoke. Know, I know who LeBron James is. I know what he's capable of. But the rest of that team – yeah, even with AD, you can let him score fifty by himself every yeah, game. Yeah, even with AD, even with AD, they just don't have the depth. They're old. No. I just think yeah. the Grizz would run run them out of the building. Man. Just, and and speaking of turnovers, you got a turnover machine. Yes, and Russell Westbrook on that team. Man, they the all turn the ball over. Even LeBron is turning the ball over a lot, bro. It, it wouldn't even that that is a matchup. I am confident in saying oh, that the man, Grizzlies yeah. would dominate. Yeah. We talked about the, the turnovers. The Warriors are actually near the bottom. They average almost 15 turnovers a game. The only team worse than them this season is the Houston Rockets. We talked about what fuels the Grizzlies. That That is, I think, why this matchup would be so tough for the Warriors. Not to mention, you have the talent. They're, there's going to be nights when John Moran is the best player on the floor, even when Steph Curry is playing, mm -hmm. just the things that we've seen from him this year, his ability to get to his spots, his ability to attack the paint and make plays for his teammates, there will be times when he's the best player on the floor. And any time that you have that, you've got a chance to win a series. You know he's going to be highly motivated. You know how – Jai is with the, with the bright lights going up against going up against Steph in the playoffs. Golden State, he he knows how the national media feels about that matchup. I mean, he's he's going to take that seriously. And we've seen what he can do when he goes off. They're, they're definitely going to be nights where you're going to look up and, and people look at Steph Curry and Golden State and Clay Thompson, all those guys. And, and John Morant's going to you're going to look up. John Morant's going to have 45 in a game, and he's going to carry the Grizzlies to victory in a, in, a, in a game against him. And, and you're going to have that anytime you have a guy that's why I feel like this team is different because they haven't had that. I mean, Jaw has it's been really good his first two years, but he's taking this game to a different level. The Grizzlies have never had a guy that you could just say, okay, on any given night, this guy could go for 50 and, and just go off and win a basketball game. They just haven't had a guy that could do that with any consistency. And now they have that. Uh, a guy who feeds off of emotion and, 
and splice it and create a splice that he creates in his head in the playoffs, it's going to be like that every game. So, again, man, I think this team has a chance against anybody. I'm not scared of anybody. People talk about the different nuggets, and I saw there's a report out that Jamal Murray is, I think, going to the, to that G League affiliate and practicing. Yeah. I don't know if he's actually going to play in games. We'll, we'll see what happens there. So he's on the way back. But even then, I mean, there are certain matchups that you'd rather not have. But I, I don't go into any series feeling like, oh, well, this is hopeless. The Grizz can't win this series. Yeah. In, in years past, there were matchups that you look at and you're like, okay, they don't really have a chance to win that series. Mm-hmm. But there's nobody, not just in the Western Conference, there's nobody in the league right now that you can look at and say, this matchup is so lopsided against the Grizzlies that they stand stand zero chance. There's matchups that are definitely tougher, but there's nobody that I feel like is going to, you know, run the Grizzlies out of the the gym, be a a 4-0 series. I just don't see that happening this year. We talked about it last year, and I think it still rings true, even though the standards are different. I still think Utah is probably out of those the, the group of teams that, that you're looking at. I think that's still probably the worst matchup for the Grizzlies. I think outside of them, I, I mean, I like the Grizzlies' chances, even against Utah, I think, because I think this team is on a different level than it was last year. They're more experienced. These guys are hungry, and they're just better. Josh taking this game to a different level. I think Steven Adams has a different dynamic that they didn't have last year. Uh, Jaron is back healthy. He wasn't what he is right now last year. Uh, I, I just think this team is better. So even against Utah, I think they would put up a, a much better fight. But I think out of the, out of those teams, I think Utah is the, the worst matchup. But again, man, I, I think this team and the level that they are right now, I don't think they should be worried about anybody. I think they can go in. They, they put on their jerseys the same way. This is an elite basketball team. For some reason, people don't want to give them that type, type of credit, but that's what they are. And, and again, they should be Mentioned in the same vein because I mean you and I talked about this other night on inside the NBA. They were talking about the potential playoff matchups in the West, and they just completely skipped all over the Grizzlies. They were talking about the Nuggets going all the way down, talking about what the Lakers are doing, everything. They didn't even mention the Grizzlies, and I'm like, this team is sitting here in second place right now. Like, how are you going to skip over them and start talking about the Mavs and what the Mavs and the Nuggets are going to do and the Clippers are going to do? I'm like, man, this is crazy. They just for some reason, man, just don't give this team credit. I, I just don't yeah. understand it. It was crazy to me how they just discredited the Grizzlies and didn't even mention them in that sequence. And, and I'd say too, Isaac, even with the Utah matchup, I actually feel a lot better about that because they have the experience of playing against that exact team. And so I think from a coaching perspective, from a player perspective, a lot of those players were a part of that playoff series or even if they didn't play, get a lot of minutes. Um, they know what they know. They now can make adjustments for what it takes to win. And I'm not sure that the Utah Jazz will be able to counter with much else just because they, they do have a certain way they like to play. And that sort of hurt them in the playoffs, you know, moving forward. But anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it just seems like this this Memphis team gets little to no respect in terms of being a threat in the playoffs. And you know, I, I think it just goes down to them being young, which I think is foolish. I think I think I think that's a huge mistake. I, that seems to be the the real logic behind anybody who explains why they take somebody else over Memphis. Memphis is young. Okay, well, Memphis is talented, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the Warriors were young when they started, too, so it's not mm-hmm. like it's not nothing we hadn't seen before. And, and this isn't round one for them. You know, you right. go back to, to the bubble. I, I've said it a million times. They were a healthy Jaron Jackson away from being yeah. in the playoffs. That, that, you know, that game against uh, Dame and the Blazers, if Jaron Jackson's healthy, the yep. Grizzlies win that game. 
And so you've got that experience there and they played awful in the bubble. They could have, you know, that they could have sealed that off to where they didn't, they weren't really in jeopardy and they ended up winning what, like one game, one game, yeah. Milwaukee, Milwaukee. And, and that was and, because they rest Giannis in that game. Yeah. So it's, you you have the, the bubble experience the following year they face golden state and the play-in they get in and so this is year three yeah it's a young team but this is not a young inexperienced team right. everybody on this roster has been with the exception of zaire williams everybody that's in the rotation on this roster has been there before stephen adams more so than anybody and stephen adams has been on teams that have been deep into the playoffs. So he's going to add that veteran leadership that, you know, they didn't really have that last year. So it's, I don't know what they have to do to really get the credit. I think this homestand that they're heading up to, like you, we've got uh, two more games on the road trip. They get back home. They play Brooklyn at home on Wednesday. And then they have Brooklyn, the Bucks, and Golden State. Like three, the three out of the four games. That's three teams that are all in the conversation for championship contention. And if the Grizzlies go out and handle business against those teams, maybe they start to see a little bit of respect. But I just, I don't know. I, I'm doubting, and I've been doubting it all year. And they continue. You know, we're 70 games into the season. Just like Isaac said, inside the NBA is not even talking about them. 48 and 22 not just second best record in the West, second best record in basketball and nothing. Yeah. And this is a totally different situation because it's a different time. Uh, team wasn't excited as exciting, but the year they went to the Western conference finals uh, and you kind of mentioned this earlier about this season, that next season people were picking them eight and they had, they were coming off a Western conference finals uh, appearance. I mean, that's yeah. just how the national media treats this team. I mean, it's, it's the market, and and I can just say it, it has a lot to do with them being young, which it doesn't make any sense. That's not an excuse, but that that's what it is. It just doesn't make any sense, and I'm hoping that they can prove some of these doubters wrong. I mean, I think they're already doing it, and, and for some reason they're not giving them credit for the success because we're not just talking about second and west, which that's crazy. Except we're talking about second best record in the whole league. Like, in they just if there was any other team, I feel like. They would be talking. They would get. They would get a lot more credit. For some reason, Memphis just—it's always been that way. I—I I, I don't get it, man. It's Memphis versus everybody. Like people talk about this cliche and all. Like it's—it's it's like that everywhere, and it's really not. Like that's a real tangible thing here in Memphis. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm especially excited to see what they'll do in the playoffs because I am seeing some improvement just with the things that I was concerned about. Once again, it was another day tonight where the the Grizzlies shot 37.37.5 from three. And so that's always good to see. That's the third time they've done that this month. And so, you know, while against this lesser competition, you like to see them put those kind of games together. You like to see them see the ball go through the hoop on a consistent basis so that they can carry that over into some of those tougher matchups where the defense might look a little different. Yeah. How about Zaire Williams, man? Concerns about him coming off the bench and yeah. lose his rhythm. Second time, man. Yeah. 16 minutes yeah. tonight, four for seven yeah. from the field, three for six from three. And, and again, like getting the ball to the right place, uh, attacking that there's every single game that he comes out here, he's doing something. I, mean, I won't say new it's stuff that he's done before, but not necessarily at this level, definitely not the NBA level, this being his rookie season, but we're seeing stuff from him that the constant improvement from him is 
man, it, it's exciting. We, it's got me wondering what is he going to look like when we get year three Zaire based off of where these guys are right now and his, his growth rate in his rookie season. If he continues to ascend at this level, the Grizzlies are going to have some monsters on this roster. Yeah. Cause you can just see it. I mean, with every, every time he gets the ball, um, it's, it's just, it, it's an it's a joy watching his improvement, watching his comfortability level. He just, you can visibly see him get better every single game um, in a way that I'm not even sure. We saw improvement from Desmond Bain, but just, uh, it just looks different from Zion. And maybe it's because of his size and just the different variety of things that he can do. But like you said, I'm, I'm really excited for his future. And even more so, I'm excited to see what he does in this playoff series. Cause I think he might catch some, catch some people off guard. He, he might not, people may not game plan for him. And that might be a, a great weapon for us going into the playoffs. Yeah. The consistency from him is what yep. I think it is really, really good to see. I mean, cause there were times where he had good games and then he would kind of, fall back and not have a good, not so good game, but he's been pretty consistent uh, here as of, as of late. And you kind of worried about his role changing and coming out the bench. And that in two games, that hasn't been a problem at all. I think he had 11 in the last game as well. And the confidence, you can just see, I mean, it's, it's night and day difference from, from early in the season. I mean, he kind of looked like a pure in headlights and David and I talked about this a lot on here about this coaching staff, Taylor Jenkins and them sticking with him and that it was going to pay off. And it's paid off in a big way. Cause I mean, he doesn't, look like that that scared rookie that we saw earlier this season, man. He looks like he belongs out there, and he's a, a, a real rotation player on a really good team. I don't think this is no longer a fluke where they're just playing a guy to try to develop him. It's not that anymore. I mean, he's a really good player and contributes on a night-in and night-out basis. Uh, but I do want to say a shout-out to BC, man. How good has he been uh, as of late, man? Another big night out the bench for him tonight. 13 points, two rebounds, and assists, a steal, three blocks. Perfect from the field, man. Six of six. Uh, been 18 minutes, plus 21. I mean, he's just been a big, big time plus for this team off the bench. The energy that he brings, uh, and he gets some big shots, man, off the tip ends, off, off of missed shots, cleaning some stuff up. I mean, he just does a fantastic job for this team, and it's good to have him back because last year it, it was starting to look like he might be a, a guy that, that would be out of here, might be on the way back, a way out. But, I mean, he really had a big bounce back year this year, man. I'm really glad to see how well he's playing off the bench, and I think he's going to be big time in the playoffs, I think he's a weapon that you can bring out the best that kind of brings a different dynamic. Uh, so I, I love what he's been bringing. Yeah, and I think it's really – I think this is exactly what you want to see from this team. You want to see the young – play, you, the, the rookie, like Zaire, get better progressively every game. You want to see uh, Brandon Clark continue to hone in on what he does well. And, and he seems to be just – he seems to be progressing just as the season goes along himself. And, and sort of build some momentum into what they're what they'll have in a tough stretch here. Uh, you want to see them put games together like this to get the confidence to to really make some noise down the stretch, I think, in the playoffs. Bryson Wright, the, the newest member of GBB, was talking about Brandon and his shot blocking. He said I, – I, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but he was talking about uh, Brandon and Jaron kind of working together. And you can see some of the plays that Brandon is making that are very similar to what Jaron is doing – you can really see these guys, the, the timing, staying on the floor, waiting and timing that jump right at the, the right time, or taking that step over to come for the help side block. The, the timing from Jaron and BC, it's been insane this year. And we, we see it from Jaron. We talk about defensive player of the year. And obviously, BC's not at that level but he, he makes some crazy impactful. He, he makes them change shots at the rim 
because of his ability to block. Yeah, and those I was gonna say those lobs just bring a different dynamic and, a, and another avenue for them to score because I mean he gets man probably four or five four or five of those a game now it, it seems and that's a big big time plus to be able to get those baskets uh, for for this team I mean he just brings a, a different dynamic for this team and you talk about his defense I mean another three blocks tonight I mean him and Jaron together when they're on the floor I mean they definitely built a chemistry together so they play off each other really well. And this team is tough, man. When you have both of those guys inside, man, it's hard to get anything out there tonight, man. And out there on, in, in the paint when those two guys are on the floor. And you saw tonight those guys working together. Jared does a block party. I think they had, what, 10 blocks tonight. Uh, this team is fantastic defensive-wise in the paint. And you got Dylan Brooks coming back, and he's going to help show up that perimeter defense. I mean, this team is going to be tough uh, to, to play because, I mean, especially when they're hitting threes. I mean, we, as Candace talked about this, Minute ago, when this team knocks down threes, man, they're they're really hard to beat. You saw what happened tonight when when they're knocking down threes. If they can get to that thirty five percent threshold that we talked about, this this team is like twenty something and two, I think, when when they knock down thirty five percent. So this is a couple games in a row now where they've been above their mark, and and that's really good to see. I, I like the job that they've done specifically on Tyrese Halliburton tonight. You look at what he's been able to do since he got to Indy. And even before then, when he was in Sacramento, he, he was playing extremely well at an extremely high level. And and people were shocked, me being one of them, that the Kings chose to move him. Yeah. And I didn't but, bet on the night, so you can't blame me. I didn't, wasn't in my parlay. <laughs> so, you know, That's usually what happened. Two for nine from the field tonight, 0 for three from three. He just never looked comfortable. One of the things that, that you see from him, the four turnovers, that's not like him. He takes care of the ball. Even though he's a young guy, he takes good care of the ball. And this team was able to get in on him, get under his skin, and cause him to be uncomfortable, leading to, you know, like he was negative uh, 26, which is not the worst number on the team. But still, you could tell that he was not comfortable out there. This is not a typical Tyrese Halliburton night. And you got to credit the, the Grizzlies' defense because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's, I think it's been all around encouraging. I, I particularly paid attention to the defense as they went on. That's the, that's what I want to pay attention to the most. How many lapses are they? Can they, can they cut down on those on some mental lapses that they've been having since the All Star break? And I was pretty impressed today, even with it. You know, there was plenty of opportunity for them to kind of cut back and you know dial it back. You know, kind of cruise through it, and and they chose not to. And I think that was, I think that was what's best for the team. I think it gives them momentum going into that game against the Hawks here on yeah. that game on Friday. Yeah, and, and this this is what I want to see. I, I feel much better right now than I did yesterday. Um, I had some concerns yeah, about worried. this team. We talked, yeah, we talked about this <laughs> team. Uh, we talked about this on the last podcast. I mean, I just saw some disturbing trends. I mean, you you go back to the OKC game and. They just kind of played around. OKC, I mean, OKC played hard. Not, not to take anything away from them. They, they kept playing, but the Grizzlies just didn't – when they weren't able to put their put the pellet to the metal and put that game away, and we've seen it. We saw it in Houston. Uh, we saw it against OKC, and even in some of the wins. The Knicks game, they were down in that game and had to really fight to come back. Even in that Magic game where it, it was a blowout, but there were points in that game where I saw things that I didn't like. I think tonight I was kind of worried because even with Ja – they kind of struggled to, to put games away. I'm like, man, this is a tough game because you got players with that team, Halliburton. You got uh, Buddy Hale. I mean, you got guys that can, can really play on this team. And if they don't don't come out, and especially on the defensive end, play really well, this team could beat them. And that wasn't the case at all. I mean, they just went in there and blew their doors off. And that was really good to see. 
without John. And, I, and as Candace said, I think that gives them a lot of momentum going into what I think is the toughest game of these four uh, on this road trip at Atlanta on Friday. And I think if John plays in that game, which I fully expect him to, I expect him to have a big game because it's, it's always been talk about John versus Trey. And, you know, John hears that. So I think he's going to want to have a big time game. Plus, he's resting. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a big game on Friday. Yeah. And and, I, and uh, David, I want to go back to a point that you made earlier about the free throws. I know you're concerned about, um, you know, I, I am concerned about the free throws as well. I have been up to this point, but I would just say I think this game may or may not be in an only just when you kind of go through and look at the starters, you know, Dylan was four for six. Jaron was three for four. You know, Stephen Adams, one of two. Desmond Bain, three or four. And it seems like everybody, you know, did, did reasonably well. I think what really killed, what statistically killed them is, is at Culver who had, who didn't make oh, his free throws. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think it sort of brings down their percentage. And while it's still something to monitor, um, I, I don't feel even as bad about that aspect of it as I have in previous games. Yeah. I'm looking at Tilly over one. Uh, you yeah. had Culver over two. Uh, what do you got else over here? Yeah. So, so a lot of those free throws were, were missed in garbage time. They missed about right. three or four in garbage time. So that right. definitely brings their number down a little bit, but it, right. it's certainly something that they gotta, they, they gotta show up and, Mm-hmm. And, and they work on it because if you, they have a contest at the end of practice where they go against each other and they have a champion at the end of it. So they work on this. And I think Taylor Jenkins does that to kind of incentivize them to, to make free throws and, and, and help them work on them. And some reason this doesn't translate. I mean, it, it's weird. It feels like that's always been a Memphis thing, whether it's the Grizzlies or, or the Tigers. That's just always kind of been a, a thing uh, in the city. And I don't necessarily believe in, in, in crazy stuff like that, but it's weird, man. It, and you look at the players on this team, and I've always talked about I, I don't understand because you look at the players, you wouldn't think this would be a bad free throw shooting team outside of Steven Adams. It, it's just kind of weird to me. Yeah, that's why I think it's an anomaly. I'm going to say this one is an anomaly. I'm hoping they can just build from here, and, and I'll continue to see if it's a trend going downwards or upwards. But I have been seeing positive change post-All-Star break, and so I'm hoping that that continues into Atlanta. The over the last 15 games, this is, I, I disagree. I don't think it's an anomaly at all. This is something that's been going on. Over the last 15 games, the Grizzlies are 28th in the league at 71.3% from the free throw line. This it's not new. It's something that we we've seen all year. If you go even full season, they are pretty close to the bottom of the league. They are 28th in the league, 73.1%. And so I, I get it. You look at the box score and you say, you know, Jaron is a guy that doesn't really miss free throws. He has a pretty good percentage. Dylan yeah. is a guy that's typically a really good free throw shooter. And so I, I understand that aspect of it. That's why it's I weird. I don't, like, I don't disagree know. with that totally, but I, I don't think it's an anomaly. I think this is something John Morant is a huge part of this. And he, he has he struggled. Is. He's been really, really bad at times from the yeah. free throw line. Yeah, That's something recently he is one that since the all-star break, he's been significantly better from the free throw line. Right. Yeah, the he's that, looked, that's made the difference. Yeah. 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 Like he, he's, he's been like, he shot around 80% the last time I looked and that's been a few games. That's probably changed since then. But I think that this is, this is something that is concerning out of anything, you know, the concern that we had about them kind of, you know, playing with their food, quote unquote, that's something you didn't see tonight. And maybe they realized it after that last game, they're like, okay, we need to, when we've got them down, we got to put the the foot on the throat. We got to take them out. We, we've got to end it. I think that, you know, something clicked for them and they knew that tonight. And so they were able to put this team away. The free throw thing. I Jenkins has talked about it. 
it's not something that we are just seeing. They know what's going on, and, and I feel like that may come back to bite them in a playoff series. It, it, to be clear, I'm not saying it's not an issue. That, that's yeah, not what no, I'm no, saying. No, yeah. I'm just I, saying I it's, been, it it's, like it's, in, it's been improved since the playoffs, and a lot of that has to do with Ja because I think he was he was kind of killing us. We are, we already had you know <laughs> people like Kyle and Steven Adams. We can't afford for Ja to just be bent. Especially with the amount of attempts he get. Line. Yeah. yeah. Missing both his free throws every time he goes. So um, he, he's been better. Like you said, he's streaking. I'm hoping that this streak continues through the playoffs and uh, doesn't end at some point here. But we just continue to continue to watch it and monitor it. I, I've been um, less concerned as of late. I'm seeing some slight improvement. And um, and I'm hoping Dylan, like I said, Dylan coming back, I think will help too, as he's, he's generally a pretty good free throw shooter. I refuse to believe that Ja Moran is going to be a career 75% free throw shooter. Just because of his drive, that yeah. he, he's got that internal drive, he wants to be great. When he's out there, he wants to be the best. He puts in the work. He put, you know, you could see the effort from him. We talked early in the season about his effort on the defensive end and the first 20 games of the season, how bad this defense was. Then you watch him kind of transform. He starts putting the effort forward on the defensive side. This team goes from one of the worst in the league to one of the best in the league in the de- on the defensive side of the ball. And so that's, I, I believe that you will see that career free throw percentage number go up from him yeah. because he's got, he knows as he gets more attempts, he knows that he's going to have to knock those down in order for the Grizzlies to win games. Yeah. Because like last year, he, it was the three point shooting and you saw the effort in the second half of the season, he got better and even better into this season. He's been more consistent there. And that's, and you know he put the work in. Like, people kept asking about it. You could tell he was frustrated, uh, like, during the offseason about it. But you know that he went in the gym, locked in, and worked on that aspect of his game. And as David said, we talked about the defense, and it was horrible. Uh, no doubt about it. No question the first 20 games of the season. And when he set out, he heard all that. Oh, well, this team is better without him. They they might not need him. Let ESPN coming out with stuff talking about they might need to trade him and all this crazy stuff. And he comes back, and you could definitely see it, it, the effort on defense was there. I mean, he's – I don't think he's ever going to be a plus defender. His size has some, some something to do with that size and weight, but you, he still gets beat at times, but you see the effort. Like it, the, it's not because of lack of effort when he gets beat. It's just, he's not naturally a, a, a really good defender. And that's kind of hard to learn once you get a, a certain age, if you're not a defender, usually you're just not going to be a big time defender, but he's definitely been much better. And you can tell he's put the effort in. There's just night and day difference from what you saw early in the season in his first couple of years in the, in the league. He's 76% on the season, 76.2 on the season. Since the all-star break, he's 79% on eight attempts. So that number is trending up. 3% doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're taking that many attempts to raise it 3%, you're, you're doing something right. And so that, that's why I say, you know, I was talking to uh, Dan here at Sports Ethos. He's a big fantasy basketball guy. I do fantasy basketball. We were talking about John ja Morant and what he's been able to do this year because it's it's an anomaly, really, in fantasy basketball. You have certain guys that are really, really good basketball players, but they're not necessarily that good on the fantasy side. And John Morant was one of those guys where, you know, 20 points a game, five rebounds, seven assists. You would think in fantasy, man, I'm doing well. But his percentages really drove him down the board. This year we're seeing those changes. So that, you know, like 
the the steals are up this year. The percentages are, you know, he's still shooting a crazy high percentage for a guard from the field. And you go from in, in fantasy two or three statistical points makes a huge difference. So you go from that 75 up closer to 80, and then you go from a big negative on the free throw side to a guy that's now positive, and that makes a, a huge change. And I I talked about Jaws' work, work ethic. When we were talking about that, we were having that conversation. Like, I refuse to believe that he's going to continue to be this type of free throw shooter because of the way he approaches the game. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% agree. And and just hearing you talk about Ja and his drive, it gets me excited about this next upcoming game against the Hawks again. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, last time the, they played the Hawks was was when he got injured, correct? Am I remembering that right? When he got injured was the last yeah. time they played yeah, the Hawks. Yeah, that was a game. So yeah. They got blown out in that. And so I'm really hoping they keep that in mind. Keep in mind that they had like a 30-point loss, if I'm remembering that correctly, against this team and continue this road streak um and, and build up these wins. Hawks yeah, I mean, better it, as of late. They're, they won three in a row, six and four of the last ten. Go ahead, Isaac. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. There, there's no way that they don't don't get up for this game. Like I said, Ja, Ja knows the job versus Trey comparison. He's gonna be ready to go. And I'm saying, yeah, like I said, he's rested, so I think he's gonna have a big game. And, and, and I think uh, Trey and, and DB have had a couple dust ups in the past, mm-hmm. uh, so I think they're gonna be they're gonna be ready for this one. I think this is one. It's kind of a rivalry. I, I know that they wouldn't admit that. Uh, but probably if you ask them, but they, they understand these two teams don't like each other. So I love anytime they match up. I remember last season, the Grizzlies went out there and blew the doors off of them. I think yeah. they won that game by 30 plus points last year in, in Atlanta. So hopefully yeah. we, we see that again, man. Just go out and put the hammer down, take care of business, just like we saw tonight. Yeah, you're going to have to, if the Grizzlies go into that game and they play with the same level of energy that they had tonight against the Pacers, they're going to be in good shape. But Earlier in the season, this was not a matchup that was necessarily concerning because of the way that the Hawks had been playing. But, again, as of late, they've been playing much better. Let's go ahead and jump into the box score, unless you guys have something else that you want to talk about before we move on. But I feel like we've covered quite a bit tonight. No, I think I'm good. Isaac, you can take off on the box score, man. I had him pulled up here, and I – He's on the struggle bus. I'll start us off. The the Grizzlies outpaced they outpaced the Pacers. They were 54 of 105 from the field for 51%. Outshot them from three, 15 of 40 for 37.5%. That's the magic number. We've talked about that and how if the Grizzlies are at or above the league average from three, they're winning those games. The Pacers were 41 of 97 from the four for 42%, six for 30 from three for 20%. (laughs) And they kept that's, shooting that's them, man. credit to they did, but <laughs> perimeter defense. We, we talked about that being an issue. You know, uh, Brogdon didn't make a single three, Halliburton didn't make a single three, Buddy Hill didn't make a single three. The, these are guys that night in and night out, they're making multiple threes, and none of them made one tonight. The only, as a matter of Let fact, the it. only starter for the Pacers to make a three was O'Shea Brissett. You'd love to yeah. see it. Yeah, 100%. You can take it over. Did you get it pulled up, Isaac? Yeah, I got, I got it. And, yeah, and, and that's definitely been an issue as of, as of late. Uh, so, I think that was really good to see because perimeter defense and, and, and letting guys drive into the paint, driving kicks were been a problem, and that wasn't an issue tonight at all. So, I know it was the Pacers, and uh, they're not a good basketball team, but that's good to see because, I mean, even against – you look at that Rockets game, worst they're working in the league, and they had a problem guarding perimeter there. So, that's really good to see uh, tonight. But free throw shooting, man, still – 
still a bugaboo for this team, man. 12 of 20 for, for 60%, man. Got to get that cleaned up. Indiana 14 of 19 for 73.7%. Uh, rebounding Grizz win the battle, but it's close. You usually don't see a game where you win by 33 points and the rebound battle is this close. The Grizzlies 50 rebounds, 18 offensive rebounds, 49 overall rebounds for the Pacers, 16 offensive rebounds. Grizzlies, that magic number of above 35 and assists, man. 38 assists tonight. And usually when the Grizzlies get up in that range, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good game. They had 38 tonight to, to Indiana's 23. Uh, 12 steals for the Grizzlies tonight. That's really good to see. Uh, deflecting, getting in passing lanes, getting out in transition. Uh, only four steals for the Pacers. Another block party tonight. Grizzlies double-digit blocks with 10 to 4 for the Pacers. Uh, only 10 turnovers tonight for the Grizzlies. Grizzlies score 32 points off 20 turnovers uh, for the Pacers. Pacers only 3 points off the Grizzlies, 10 turnovers. 33 fast break points to 9. So Grizzlies doing big work there. Another big night where they do big work in the paint. 72 points in the paint. Uh, to 54 for for Golden State, so a lot of a lot of good things in this box score tonight, man. And those are things that you that you want to see continue. I um, mean, continue if if a lot of these things continue, they're gonna gonna win games and 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 have, have an opportunity to hang on to that two seed. Yeah, I. They were really pushing it in the first half. They they were talking. Pete and Brevin were talking on broadcast about the record for fast break points. And that kind of, you know, as the Grizzlies blew this lead open later on, you see they slowed that down. If this game was closer, I think that the Grizzlies break another record in the the fast break point. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think that they were, were they over 30 before half in fast break points? I feel like that was the case. I can't remember exactly. Pretty close. It's not yeah, it was something like, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I think they I probably think, was 28, 29, 30. It was somewhere in that range. Yeah, but just good good stuff from them. Great win from the Grizzlies. Definitely want to see that free throw shooting. Candace is the optimist for us, and so we'll, we'll let her be optimistic. <laughs> I will continue to we'll be see. pessimistic. That we'll see. I, I, I can have my pessimistic moments. They just got to – it depends on what they show me. I think I think the free throw stuff for me goes back to being young, and my coaches were a stick oh, for yeah. making you, you had to make free yeah. throws. I remember I was in like fifth or sixth grade, and they're like, you know, hey, everybody's got to make fifteen free throws before they leave. Yeah, we you used know, to do like, that too. For a lot of kids, <laughs> making fifteen free throws, it was a big deal. You know, practice would be an hour and a half long, and then you're you're there for another hour. Wait, wait, I know what time legs. Throws, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think that's I will blame it on my old coaches, but again, I've just watched it too many times. Close games, games that matter, the free throws, missing those end up costing you the game. I don't want to see that being Achilles' heel for this team. So hopefully, between now that with twelve games left, they've got twelve games left to figure it out. Maybe they will get it together before the playoffs get here. We will see. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. I'll pass it to Candace and then Isaac will get us out of here. Yep, yep. You can follow me at Seahawks901. That's season cat Hawks901. And I'll hand it over to Isaac. Yeah, man. The Grizzlies will be back on the hardwood Friday night, 6 30 p.m. Take it on Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks, man. I, I, I love this matchup. Uh, the fans. Uh, 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 both franchises like, like to talk a lot of trash on Twitter, so I'm sure we'll have some of that coming up over the next couple of days, so that, that'll be fun to look forward to, but uh, it's going to be a good matchup. Hopefully, we get John Morant back out there. I think he's going to have a big game, but you can follow me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Man, we'll be back on Friday with post-game. Hopefully, talking about another big Grizzlies victory, so 
Uh, make sure you check this out. Go over to those Grizzlies. Give us a like and a follow. Check out all our podcasts, this one, all our archive podcasts, and you'll be good to go. Uh, so until Friday, we gone. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.